Bass knock, it's time for Kings of the Heart. But today, it is a cypher of three. You know why? Because we have Miss Rena Cullens with us today. We got Dr. John oh, Hart. Man. And of course, I'm Tariq Omari Walton. Hope you guys enjoy this conversation. First off with Rena, how you doing, Miss Rena? Oh man, I'm feeling fine as wine today, y'all. Fine, fine as wine. And she aging <laughs> just as well. Dr. John, what's going on with you, man? Man, can't complain. I'm feeling blessed. I'm happy. And hey, it's another, another cypher session. So I'm just real hyped, man. That's Brother right. Rick, how you doing? Man, I'm always ready when it comes to the cypher of I know, three. right? Always get up for this one, man. Always excited to have Miss Mina with us. And yep. for today's conversation, we want to talk to you about how to have those hard conversations. You know, I don't know about you guys, but with my clients, I often find that they avoid having conversations about them about the two of them right yeah because it always leads into an argument and mm. i often have to have a conversation with them about okay what is an argument how do you define what an argument is and how does that differentiate from what it means to just have a disagreement because they look at mm. every disagreement as an argument which stops them from wanting to talk at all so we, let's talk about that a little bit today let's talk about that so let's let's start the conversation off we're just exploring what does it mean to be an argument? What does an argument look like? How do you define the term argument? Dr. John, let's start off with you, man. How do you define that? Well, argument to me, I, I, I always look at it as um, things on a spectrum. We can have minor disagreements where there's just calmness to the conversation and people are just not seeing things on the same page or just sharing different experiences. And then there are, you know, arguments in which um, as it's so escalated, we have people being very reactive in terms of their tone and in terms of language, right? Language is very powerful. So, right. you know, if there's cursing, if there's, you know, other things kind of going, oh, body language, right? So oh, yeah, we're like true. moving towards people, right? Those there, so there's a spectrum, uh, at least when I talk to my clients around like what uh, arguments can look like, but overall you're looking at two, in a way two opposing positions or experiences that are trying to be communicated and understood okay huh. all right yeah what do you, what do you think Wena? you know i'm the the wordsmith here and i was just thinking about how for me the disagreement is the noun it's just the difference of an opinion mm-hmm. but the arguing is the verb it's the action it's the way you actually express yourself when you have that difference of opinion meaning that the argument comes with the escalated tone it comes Mm -hmm. with like you say the aggression sometimes it comes with physicality or -hmm. it comes with shutting down withdrawing and walking away and Tyreek when you started talking about how some folks hate the idea of arguing 
even though it may just be a disagreement, that might be why, because they associate the disagreement with all of those escalated behaviors that really make them feel so uncomfortable. Right. Agreed. And I know when I think about arguing, the one thing that stands out to me is when you're in a place of, of that kind of intense conflict, you're no longer in a place where you're actually hearing the other person. You're not listening mm-hmm. to understand. And one of the things that, that differentiates arguing from just a disagreement with me is you are in a place where you're just trying to hear, have your voice heard and you're not really trying to hear the other person. So you're kind of blocking mm-hmm. them out. You're listening to respond as opposed to trying to understand. And that's typical of, of argument. You're not hearing each other. So if you get to that place where things are that intense, it's actually pointless to me. You're, the conversation is pointless. It's no longer even a conversation. You're not con- The point of a conversation to me is to be understood. If you're arguing, you're not even having a real conversation because you're not trying to be understood or you're not trying to understand the other person. Mm. And so, that's fair. So that's, you know, there's a little separation there. And so where mm-hmm. does this come from? You know, when people have you know, a, a, a distorted view of disagreeing, having a hard time being able to disagree without it turning into a conflict, where does that typically come from? Where do, where do we begin to see that, that that becomes part of who we are? That's a tough one because there are so many different reasons why people associate disagreements with arguments and feel like they always need to escalate to that place. Mm-hmm. I would want to start with anxiety. Oh, yeah. okay. Yep. Yep. And, Spot on. Spot and on. And it's, it's so interesting because that that term is new to some people in our generation and above us. Uh the generations underneath us embrace it differently. Mm-hmm. Our generation and above us didn't really call it anxiety. We called it worrying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. 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 (laughs) And we didn't have a real container for it with symptoms and understanding uh, what what that anxiety can provoke or produce in a person. But so in terms of arguing, the root of arguing tends to be a fear, a worry, or an anxiety that you're not going to get something that you need from that conversation or that person. Mm-hmm. Right. You become passionate about what you're trying to express because you don't feel understood or in the moment you feel a need to get attention and to be right sometimes. Right. Right. But how much does, how much does family of origin play a role? Because I'm thinking about all those people who come from families where the only way they actually communicated was by yelling. And this yeah. is where they've come become accustomed to. We're yelling at each other. And especially if you're a child and oftentimes being shut down. So your voice is being stifled. So you're not being heard and recognizing that the only way anyone can really hear you is by yelling. You know, how, yeah. how does that influence the way that we even interpret what it means to have a disagreement? Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's a big deal. I've actually had to have uh, explicit conversations with some clients about if you come from a family culture uh, or family of origin in which like arguing was the norm. It, it's weird because sometimes those can be trans 
formed into like a badge of honor, right? Like if you listen mm-hmm. to some yeah. folks, um, and I'm using that term intentionally because I've even had to call people out. I'm like, it, it seems like you kind of wear that like a badge of honor as if like you and your family are proud of the fact that whenever you guys get together, there's constant arguing, there's bickering, yeah. there's going at each like other. they're warriors. And it, yeah, right? right. And, and and again, I you want to be respectful of how every family gets down, but to bring that to someone who didn't grow up in that culture you need to be mindful about what are the intentional and unintentional impacts of it so family of origin because then it goes back to sister weena by bringing that energy that dynamic to a partner who didn't grow up into it that is causing anxiety for them because that's not normal right right so that i I just want to share that because like family of origin i think is definitely up there but i've seen what i'm describing i've seen a lot where I, i have had clients who almost wear like a badge of honor and it's not about kind of um i i do work with them to kind of change but it's but it's more about changing the way that they're relating that idea which sister Wina was talking about about what arguing is mm-hmm. so save that for your family but for your marriage look <laughs> at it go about it differently because you got to sleep with that person every day you ain't sleeping like every day with your folks and your family of origin so um it's 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 a good point to bring up i appreciate you bringing that up brother yeah what do you think Wina? i mean the uh, can the roots of the anxiety that you speak of can that be related to how you grew up and what your family dynamics were? Or do you relate it also kind of to what John was saying to the way that you've learned to respond to your mate in a very anxious state? What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's all related. And I was thinking about an article that I wrote about conflict avoidant partners, mm-hmm. how difficult it is to be in relationship with conflict avoidant partners, because somewhere along the way, those partners developed an aversion to what they define as conflict. And it's Mm -hmm. getting into what you talked about, Tyreek, this idea that if we even broach certain topics that we know we don't see eye to eye on, it's going to give me that uncomfortable, unsettled feeling, or it's going to to put us on opposite ends of the bed. Mm. And I don't want to be disconnected from you. Right. So I'm either not going to. Because that's a need. Like you said earlier, that's a need. We need to connect. Right. 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 And it's so triggering to think about all the consequences of this conversation not well, that I'm either going to avoid the conflict or when we get into the weeds, I'm going to try my darndest to prove my point, over talk you, get you to see my side of it so that ultimately we stay connected. But the very thing that you're hoping for is the thing that you're actually preventing from happening when you think that way. Right. Correct. Right. Correct. Yep. And even with that, how does that play into the whole pursue or withdrawal? dynamic because now i'm thinking you know one of the reasons why someone may be more aggressive in their tone and it becomes an argument is because they don't because the other person is so conflict avoidant and they're constantly pursuing you trying to have these conversations and the conversations are happening for so for them it's all this buildup and by the time they get you cornered it comes out very aggressively so it feels like an argument Right, right. You're you're thinking exactly along the lines of pursuer distancer and how People want to keep a flat line in relationships, right. even steady flow of energy and connection. And a distancer is a person who, when prevented, I'm sorry, presented with certain conflict, 
they withdraw. Mm-hmm. What that looks like in relationships or in interactions with people that you care about is as soon as the conflict seems to be piping up in their mind, they start to shut down mm-hmm. or you get into the conflict very quickly and you realize for yourself, this isn't going anywhere productive. And you say, I need to take a breather and I'm going to go off by myself. Right. There's no time frame to when we're going to come back to that conversation. Right. And right. it causes anxiety in the other person who wants to close it. Mm-hmm. Let's wrap this thing up. Let's get back connected to each other. I don't want to oh, go right. to bed angry with you. No, and no. so that person is going to pursue you. If you withdraw because they need a sense of control, they want to understand when the connection is going to be reestablished. So the very thing that the distancer wanted, which was just some space to clear their head and actually come back down to zero or Mm -hmm. neutral is the thing they're not going to get. They just turned the volume up a hundred notches by saying that they needed to put some distance between them. But what about those distancers, though? who perceives everything as a conflict. And that's what I'm really trying to get at. It's not even true. It's not even a true conflict because they're walking into it. They're already defensive. So they're already at like at at a seven, you know, in terms of defensiveness because they are so conflict avoidant. So everything appears to them. It feels like a conflict, even when it's just a disagreement. Yeah. You know, some folks have vowed either implicitly or explicitly that they will never argue the way they saw people in their life argue Mm, before. Right. So it could be saw my parents arguing Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. I was in a house where everybody was loud talking, arguing all the time. It was such an excruciating experience for me. I'm never going to do that in my relationship. Mm -hmm. So at the first thought of conflict, disagreement, even if their partner actually has the capability of just having a rational discussion with them, they still shut it down, which as you say, Tyreek can be so frustrating for the other person because you never get anything resolved in a rational way. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think I think that's really spot on. I mean, Sister Wena is, is speaking facts and and uh, and then a couple of things that she said, like, um, well, a couple of things came to my, my mind when she was talking. And one of them is that it gets it's it's always crazy because the, I think the, what ends up happening right with pursuer distancer is that it feels like as the pursuer is pursuing the person and the, and the distancer is like, I, I need space, like, just give me a little bit or whatever like that in and of itself becomes conflict in in, yeah. in one or both of their minds. And so by the time they come to therapy, you have two opposing sides where the distancer is like, well, we're always arguing. And then the, the, the pursuer is like, but we're not even talking. I'm just yeah. trying to talk, right? Like, right. You, you right. see how crazy that right. is? Like, I, I, and, and I don't mean to be, I don't mean to laugh, but like you, you see how comical it is in a way where it's like the distancer keeps shutting conversations down because the the aspect of being pursued, they, they view that like as conflict because it's like they keep doing it. But when you're in that constant, I'm going back to what Sister Wina said, when you're in that constant mode of anxiety, your perception's off. So to Brother Reek's point, everything will be seen as a conflict right even even if it's like hey like what do you want to eat like there are people whose thresholds are so low to the point because of who they are family of origin, why are you even asking me just, just go figure yeah. it out just get in the kitchen yeah, figure and, it out and, 
and it's like, why do we always have to like argue about it? It's like your partner just asked you. It's, right. a, it's a question. <laughs> right. It's a question, exactly. Right? Exactly. Right? Like that, that's the other thing. And then the other thing I just I wanted to pull out when Sister Wina was talking is like then it always gets pretty weird when you get this couple in session and then when it's t- when you create that safe space for the pursuer to not open up about what's really going on mm-hmm. and then you famously hear the distancer like well i know all the- i didn't know yeah. about this like yeah. i didn't i didn't yeah. i didn't hear about this and it's like you see guys yeah. like so i just want to put out like what sister winnie is saying it's like it's so true because my example is really we've seen what this can do inside of session. And it sounds like this. The two examples I just gave. Yeah, I mean, the example you gave, I can just think about clients that I've had. I can think about a specific client that I had where that is a, a constant problem, where the husband is always in a very defensive mode because he feels like everything, any conversation they have about them is going to be his fault. And so he just shuts down. He doesn't want to talk about it. So for her, when she comes to him, She's very, very, very cautious about what she says, but can never mm. say exactly what's going on because she knows he's going to probably react poorly. And so so she doesn't get everything out right. and she gets mad at him because he's not responding to the things she's not saying. And so the communication yeah. is oh, it's a, it's a major breakdown of communication. She's not getting the things out that she wants to say because she's kind of kind of trying to protect him which means he's not going to respond to whatever it is that she needs. But because she's coming to him at all, he's trying to pull away. You you know, you're tapping into this uh, theory. Love and Stasny talk about fear and shame mm. in heterosexual relationships mm-hmm. as uh, the two primary reasons why couples sometimes disconnect in such an important way. Yeah. When, when a woman comes to a man in a romantic relationship with a fear, there's usually a fear. There goes that anxiety again. Yeah. Yep. There we go. There we go. To express that, then the partner receives it in that very defensive way and they become extremely ashamed because they have disappointed yeah. their partner. They yeah. failed to do something. Yeah. The shame that comes from being confronted about something that you have done wrong, as yeah. you were saying, Tyreek, yeah. you know, that always responds that way, can literally cause you to protect your ego so much yep. that you don't allow any constructive criticism. Yeah. In. And then it's you true. go catastrophizing and catastrophizing is rooted in anxiety it is the propensity to think the worst case scenario so a partner may come to you and say that they're really concerned about the way you've been spending money as a couple this month for Christmas mm-hmm. and we've gone, you know, a bit overboard with the gifts for the kids. And, you know, we probably need to rein it back in and a catastrophizer may take that in and say, you know, 
I don't know why you're coming at me like that. You know, you always accuse me of mismanaging money and not being able to budget. And I don't have Mm -hmm. any financial sense. And, you know, I'm the person that's leading the family into financial ruin. And the other partner steps back and goes, whoa, whoa, this year for Christmas, we blew the budget. And we need to be mindful in the new year. Let's set a resolution to get things back on track. And you went from zero to 60 in five seconds flat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and my argument with that is they're already at 40. They're not even going from zero to 60 because they're already at 40. Going to 60 because they already had that disposition of defensiveness. So they're yeah, already that's what, there. that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I totally agree. I was going to say that, too, like to respond. And, and I usually work with clients in those positions where I'm like, if you if there was not a predisposed insecurity existing. Right. There, there, that reaction would not have happened. Right? right. If there wasn't some level of insecurity you had as an yeah. individual, mm-hmm. like think about it, it would that that would not have been. Uh, uh, the the reaction you would have had, but because it may have been something you are interpersonally struggling with, have always struggled with, or it may have been past conversations. Finances is always a common and, and critical conversation topic that all couples oh, are yeah. always talking about. So, but but Weena's right. The catastrophizing is built around the partner did not say. Um, um, and when Weena said it, I laughed because I was going to say. One of the best examples to know when you're catastrophizing, I tell clients, is when you use absolutes. You always, you never, that is catastrophizing. That is catastrophizing. So, folks, if you are ever talking to your loved one, and if you, any time you say you always or you never, don't do it. Because that is a good example. And and, and I also get it, too. I I usually say, I think think because of anxiety, um, to Brothers Reek points, because sometimes we want to prove our point so much and anxiety is building up, the brain will lean on us using these absolutes yeah. to further that point. Yeah. Instead of instead of what Sister Weena is saying is healthy communication would be you narrow it as specifically as possible. So right. that way it's concrete for the listener to say, oh, this Christmas, this Christmas, you're talking about this. OK, mm-hmm. but when you say, well, you always and now you've opened it up to more anxiety of spilling in. So, no, spot on. I yeah. mean, definitely, definitely spot on. And I wanted to kind of piggyback on what Wena was saying about the theory and about shame and disappointment and feeling disappointed um, or feeling like they've disappointed their mate and how that leads to guilt and oftentimes regret. And those seem to be two emotions that everybody tries to avoid from people who have a hard time making decisions because they don't want to regret the decisions and mm-hmm. even, you know, dealing with relationships, that sense of guilt, you know, why, why do you think, and again, this plays into the whole conversation around being avoidant, you know, being conflict avoidant. Why do you think those two emotions are so scared, scary for people, you know, regret and guilt? A lot that that must be something that you see a lot in your work with um, couples. And I definitely think that there's a, a, a negative reaction to guilt, right? Um, I would take it a step back and talk about how when we even identify fear and shame for people when we're working with them, 
they haven't done a great job of connecting their behaviors to the fact that they're even feeling fear. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, feeling I agree. In the first place. So, you know, you're kind of living in real life with your partner and they express a concern to you. You hear it as constructive criticism or as an outright global attack, but you don't always realize that the origin of that concern that they're expressing is a fear in them. It's that's a, a such a softer emotion that if you were aware of the root of the criticism that's coming in your direction, you would probably respond differently to it. But then it's also hard to respond differently to it because you're so afraid to disappoint and you're so afraid to be ashamed in the relationship in front of someone that you care about, who you want to take care of, that you got this bravado on, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so, but people aren't connecting to that either. And the the most important part is that often women don't realize that their partners really don't want to disappoint them. Yeah, 100%. That, that aggressive 100%. response, that defensiveness, that that quickness to to, you know, say no, I'm doing this, 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 and this mm-hmm. for you for the relationship. I'm working my butt off to be in this relationship is because the partner cares so much, not because they care so little, but in that moment, it feels like they care so little. So we spend a lot of time convincing people that that partners who are sometimes paralyzed by that shame are actually paralyzed because they care so much more than the other person thinks. Right. And it's also a defense of their self image. You know, part of yeah. that, you know, wanting to be the person who's constantly pleasing or doing the right thing by your mate, that's part of your own self-image of who you think you are. And when you com- combat that or when you um, step to them about something that they're doing that it, it kind of is different than how they see themselves, yeah, they get very defensive. They get very defensive. Yeah. They don't want to believe that they may be doing something that's causing you pain or disappointing yeah. you, you know? Yeah. 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 And they're not yeah. that kind of person because that's the kind of person my father was. I don't want to be that person. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, can we talk about that risk, though? Because now we're talking about intimacy. I always define intimacy for clients as a place that very rarely couples actually get to mm-hmm. because it is the place where in all of your messiness, uh, all of your vulnerability, your partner actually accepts you and makes you feel loved and cared for. Mm -hmm. And when couples are with us, right, we generally discover that they've gone down a couple of levels to get to intimacy, but they stop short at intimacy because there's still this area they're holding back because they're really not feeling safe enough to let that part hang out and let their partner actually catch them, accept them, trust them, love them. Something has given them an indicator either in past relationships or in this current relationship that we can go this deep, but we cannot get Hmm. to the point where I actually show you my most vulnerable self. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and I think, and I, and, and I so agree with that because then what happens is is that anxiety continues to build up then right yeah. because the, the what what can come out of that would be your your 
probably your most critical needs ever to be fulfilled. Yeah. But if it's not coming out, anxiety is building up. And then, then now the anxiety starts to manifest in unhealthy ways and and stuff like that. Yeah. So like I, I so agree with that because that's one of the beautiful parts of of why we always say go to therapy for for couples counseling because part of what we are always doing i like what sister weena said you know she she used the verb earlier is that convincing and i and i and the other word that we're constantly doing is creating we're creating a safe space where we're we're slowing you guys all the way down so that way you're able to be more in tune with your bodies mind spirit your feelings so that way you understand you're able to have more clarity so when you talk in session understanding is 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 easily achieved yeah but outside of that it can be hard and that's why people always say we struggle with communication is because of some of the things that you both are bringing up so like like sister Wayne said like everything is connected that's why that's why we talk about these things guys like there's not one part of interpersonal growth and healing that will not also be attached to the systemic part of being in a relationship right right facts and so how do we actually help those conflict avoidant partners those who don't want to engage because they believe that this conversation is going to turn into an argument how do we get them to begin to perceive this whole connection differently how we how can we help them change their their perception well to dr john's point we create the space for folks to collect data that disproves their theory yeah yep Right. The only way through hard conversations is through them, meaning Mm -hmm. that so much of what we do to help couples get to a better space of trust, because we're talking about trust all day long. Yes. Yes. Is actually taking risks with each other. And Mm -hmm. it means that you have to risk that if you've suffered an injury in communication in your relationship already, and you've learned that we can't get through this conversation without having an argument or a disagreement, then we slowly go back into some of those hard conversations, giving you new tools, giving you new perspectives, helping you learn how to hold your feelings about the situation in one hand and your partner's situation, I'm sorry, um, experience in the other hand without feeling like one cancels the other out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, It's not, magic we do sprinkle a little pixie dust in session yes, we but do. there really is a science and a, a finesse to allowing people to see the softer side and each other's intentions right often the intentions get lost when the approach is so botched mm, and again yeah. mm-hmm. to point, when you're in session and we're able to help you slow down and, and look at how you're immediately triggered by something that your partner said or did. And that causes you to behave a certain way. And then that triggers your partner and causes them to behave a certain way. Well, now we understand how two people who love each other and believe they want to spend the rest of their life with each other are now on opposite sides of the fence from zero to 60 Mm-hmm. Right and ready to call it off. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What do you think, John? Yeah. No. I well said. I mean, that's why um, I was talking about how critical um, having difficult conversations, arguments, disagreements. That's why. Uh, and I, 
I love the term Sister Wina said, like, if their approach is botched, man, it's going to cause a lot of harm. Because why? Right. Because even even in mild disagreements, there's still anxiety. Mm-hmm. I always tell my clients that that it, no matter what topic it is, we cannot underestimate the power of anxiety. Right. It's mm-hmm. very contagious. And if it's not harnessed and controlled, man, it can get out of hand, which is why we always talk about escalating. Right. Things mm-hmm. escalate quickly. Right. Very Zero good. to 100. But that's why being if you don't have the skills to quote unquote communicate and when we say communicate even around like managing conflict then yeah you're, you're gonna you're gonna it's gonna feel for two people who love each other it's gonna feel like we're constantly on the opposite side of the fence right and then if that's not uh if that's not tackled then if it keeps happening then it, it starts to build resentment and then people start checking out yeah. And that's scary. Right. Yeah. So I know I know we started like earlier about catastrophizing, but it's also pretty ironic. Right, guys, that if some of if some of these communication patterns that we're also calling out in relationship dynamics, if they're not addressed, then the one of the persons who is catastrophizing, it's weird because now it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy because now the relationship is going down the journey right. they aren't right. connecting and someone's gonna want to leave like, right you see what i mean like it's right. so ironic yeah you were just talking and i thought when you love someone you have a lot to fear yes. or lose yeah, yes true yes people say love conquers all and we even think sometimes that when you find really deep or powerful love that you should be fearless and you should be able to say anything to your partner right off the break or do anything and they'll accept you but that's not how loving relationships evolve when you really are invested in a person or in a relationship and they seem to disapprove of something that you believe or something that you think or something that you feel or something that you want to do, that is a anxiety provoking situation. Very vulnerable place. Very vulnerable. Very vulnerable place. And the more you love a person, the more vulnerable you feel. And if you are not in touch with that, then you could literally be picking out what the two of you are going to eat for dinner. And that becomes an argument. Right. That's that's (laughs) true. That's true. You know, and I I just want to add, you know, when I think about talking to my clients and how they're perceiving what's going on, the one thing that I always want to point out, and this relates to your conversation around anxiety, you're not under threat. You're not under, you're not in any danger, you know, and it, it feels that way. But you're not under any real danger. You're not under physical danger. You're not really even under emotional danger. So what are you actually responding to? Well, you have to kind of look at yourself and say, okay, I'm I'm very defensive right now. Why am I being defensive? Well, maybe I'm already in this place of insecurity thinking that I'm not or recognizing that I'm not doing everything that I should be doing. And so when you begin to approach me about items that are concerning you, it's already right. confirming things I believe about myself. So I'm already right. at, like I said, I'm already at 40 out of right. 60. I'm already, you right. know, I'm already there. And so any little thing you say is going to make it, make it feel like I'm under some Agreed. kind of duress. And so yeah. now, now I'm responding to that. I'm not actually responding to what you're saying to me. I'm responding to the perceived threat to my right. self image or my, my own mental, you know, stability as yeah. opposed to what you're seeing. And so the person who's, who's approaching they're like looking at you with their hands up, like, hold on, slow down. What's going on here? Because yeah. you're responding to something beyond them. You're responding to something that you see as a, yes. as a threat. 
And you have yes. to you have to break away from that kind of thinking. It's, you're not under any kind of real physical danger. Well, let's let's talk about the bewilderment though, and the mismatch sometimes of partners. Because just because you fall in love with someone and you feel like you're in lockstep with them doesn't mean that the two of you have the same emotional intelligence and the right. same experiences. So you know you love a person but then your partner starts giving you this feedback that you don't know how to be in partnership with them. <laughs> and you are literally bewildered because for the first time you're in this committed relationship and you're that invested and somebody does have to point out to you, you got some emotional development to do, <laughs> right? You no got doubt. some work to do. No doubt. And that can cause you to be defensive. It can cause you to take a step back, withdraw, mm -hmm and kind of take that information in and, and question, okay, why aren't the two matching up? My intentions are always to protect you, to love you and to be the best person in this relationship. But you're telling me that I have a deficit here. Yeah. And we see that all the time. Yeah, yeah we do. There's a lack of emotional awareness, a lack of practice. Yeah. Yeah. Being yeah. And the love is there, but that's not enough right. all the Thank time. You. Right. And Thank what you. you do with that, how you take that feedback in and then start to believe that your partner is going to be patient with you as you work toward becoming the person that you need to be. That's where we see the most work, I think. Well said. Yeah. I, I, I like that was that summed up what most of couples therapy ends up being. That right there. I'm not even joking. Yeah, that was yeah. like very, very well said. I mean, and 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 because of that, I love what you said too. the patience. That's the other side, too. If, if it's if it's a skill deficit yeah. or if it's in, or if it's in an experience deficit, then we have to be patient. Right. We don't go in the gym and, 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 and crank out 50 reps if we've never been going to the gym in a while. So right. I love that. I mean, that's so you so summed up what couples therapy is and what it looks like. Well, the hard part, though, is that, of course, we can be patient if the other person comes back with humility. But what we talked about today was the hard conversations and how when you are bewildered and realize that there's a deficit or that, you know, you have something to lose because now your partner may say, eh, you might not be the person for me. If you come back with that, that protection of the ego and the defensiveness and, you know, bravado, then your partner may not be able to be patient with that. Mm -hmm. they, they don't know mm -hmm. what to do with that yeah. because there's immediate need and a learning curve and you got to figure out how to step up to it. Yeah. I mean, is it even fair to them? You know, is it even fair to your partner that you're responding in this way? You know, right. But look, we got to wrap it up. So let's get into the noble truths. Dr. John, what is your noble truth for this week's conversation? Um, I'm my noble truth is going to spin off of what Sister Wiener was saying. And that was um, we need to do better better tracking our anxieties mm -hmm. during conversations during wow. interactions we need to track them when i say track them let's start being more in tune with what's going on with our physical bodies like anxiety can manifest physically let's also start preparing our ourselves on how we can cope better um let's be very clear about as we are talking to our partners be very mindful about what's happening is the anxiety rising is it lowering and like those kinds of things so i think from a just a concrete standpoint one of the biggest things that you heard us talk about is anxiety i think we need to track we as we as a community we need to start tracking our anxieties much better yeah yep. yeah you got it how about you Ms. wiener what is your noble truth for this week 
I would say that so many of us lack trust in a way that we don't always acknowledge or realize that it limits our ability to take risks and therefore limits our ability to have real intimacy mm. in relationships. Yeah. No doubt. So, yeah. Therefore, Dr. John's point, which was my point, of course, is spot on. <laughs> that when you identify that there are places in you where your trust is not solid for other people or for yourself, understand that that is a big piece of why those hard conversations are happening or why you're shutting down in hard conversations, perceiving hard conversations. And the more you run away from those conversations, the less you can expect to feel that solid, even connection that you so hope for in your relationship. And I have two quick ones. One is that recognize when your partner is constantly pursuing you is because they're trying to have a conversation that needs some kind of resolution. And the more that you avoid them, the longer you're going without resolution and the deeper the conflict or the issue is going to become. So you're going to have to have this conversation at some point or another. The other point too is that, you know, you have to perceive what's happening differently. Every disagreement is not an argument or not a a need for an argument. You just see things differently. So how can you have a conversation around your differences, respect each other's differences, accept those differences and still move forward with some kind of decision or whatever has to be done? Correct. You know, where you actually can hear each other, where you actually are trying to understand the other person's perspective or what they need or what their desires are and not let it affect you to the point where you have to shut down because you feel like you're under attack. Yeah, that's true. Well said. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, folks, it is time for us to get on out of here. You know how we do. This is Kings of the Heart, the Cipher of Three. We had Miss Weena on with us today. Miss Weena, why don't you tell us a little bit about where we can find you and find out more information about you? Y'all catch me at WeenaCullins.com, W E E N A C U L L I N S.com. I have an amazing new associate therapist who works fantastically with couples and families and individuals, all things relationship. Definitely check her out if you're looking for a couples therapist. Uh, go to WeenaCullins.com and schedule an appointment or call us at 301 592 7244. All right, Dr. John, what about you, man? Where can people find out more about you? Uh, feel free to come check me out. Come check Brother Rico out at kingsoftheheart.com. We're doing a lot of great stuff. Also, come check me out at rccmaryland.com, where I'm doing a lot of great work clinically um, and also doing a lot of great work at the national level at the Vera Institute of Justice and stuff. So, man, pretty busy guy. Brother Rico, where you can are. we find you, well, brother? Well, you know, like you just said, you can find me at kingsoftheheart.com. You can also find me at tarikamarywalton.com or viewsandvibe.com if you want to find out more about my private practice another website for you is insightmft.com yes i have too many consolidate my brother (laughs) well they're all connected there you can find each of these things at each of the other websites you know but there's a lot going on there too so any which way that's where you can find me hope you guys enjoyed the show we will catch you next time you guys have a fantastic week see ya peace